ஆக்கவி சமாதி சேர்ந்தனர் மிகாக்கவி அகத்தியர் கிரிய பாபாஜி பாத்ரீஸ்வரபசமாதியடைந்தனர் உலகம் உயவி பாத்ரீஸ்வரபசமாதி அடைந்தனர் உலகம் உயவி devotees in the course of yoga the subject of today's talk is tamil kriya yoga siddhantam podithu podu powder it <coughs> what does he mean by powder it all the terms that are used by the siddhas are very scientific podithu podu those who have been attending the earlier classes will understand what a tremendous amount of scientific knowledge was used by the siddhas in developing the techniques in yoga as also developing the techniques in siddha vaidyam and the herbal system of medicine this is very important because many people look upon this great ancient scientific art of yoga and siddha vaidyam has something which is uh, very primitive which is really very very advanced and i've seen in some of the modern <coughs> doctors of medicine talk ill about it and say all right let us try to get a few formulae here and there and scrape off the whole thing if you scrape it off will be scraping off the greatest science that has ever been discovered through divine grace the science of yoga and the science of siddha vaidyam and the ancient herbal system of medicine if you want these techniques in yoga and the techniques given by the siddhas the preparation of herbal medicine to be effective you must follow their instructions very very carefully not only the prescription but also the instructions in pre- in preparing those different herbal medicines which they mention they may talk about sometimes as arithal that is to say to roll and grind and mash grinding it as we call it in english and different types of uh, grinding stones were used for different purposes and they talked about roll grinding and when you try to roll grind it as it was explained in one of the earlier lectures it is done in a, a big block of granite stone with a hollow in the center and a rolling stone and that type of roll grinding can produce only a paste this is very important when they use the terms as podithu podu artikondu arithal these are terms which are extremely difficult to translate into english the international language that is the reason why we are offering the tamil course so that you people can go back to the tamil language and try to understand it better instead of trying to get it second and third and fourth and and fifth and in the translation so when they talked about roll grinding and he tried to use the roll grinders 
presence of ritual always be available for you people to see. When you go to India, you see what you can produce through roll grinding is only a paste. It's a semi-solid substance. Very try to have the solids and add the desired liquid to produce a paste. But when he talks about grinding and trying to produce a powder, it could be done in different ways. You can try to produce a powder according to the different methods of preparing either the foodstuffs which you use for cooking or try to produce your snacks or try to produce your uh, very important herbal medicine you must scrupulously follow the instructions and prescriptions of the Siddhas. When they say that you should try to pound it and then try to produce the flour or the powder of it or the uh, grains or the ingredients, it should be done along, along those lines. He does not talk about in this particular verse of trying to pound and produce a powder at all. Poditupodu does not mean to say pounding and producing a powder. I'm struggling hard to convey to you people in the English language what Bohanadan meant by Poditupodu. You can produce a powder in another fashion. You can have one block of granite, which is the hardest rock you can think about for grinding purposes. Because that is such a hard rock, you get very little of rock material coming in. Because most of the minerals that constitute the granite have got a hardness of roughly 8 and above. The maximum hardness you can have is 10 for the information of those people who don't have knowledge in the subject. If you try to study geology and gemology, you'll understand it. The hardest substance in the world is diamond. Strange. It's very hard. That is the hardest substance. The hardness of diamond, which is the greatest, is number 10. That is the most coil of hardness. And granite and pegmatite, which contains a lot of quartz, the hardness of quartz, vitreous quartz, is 8. It is 80% as hard as diamond. So if you want to use tools for boring holes, they must be diamond tipped. It's very strange. Because diamond is the hardest substance, it can penetrate through anything. So all our boring appliances will contain diamond tips. And carborundum gives a hardness of 9. And the hardness of quartz, vitreous quartz, is 8. So if you want to really crush, if you have a piece of quartz, it will be able to crush anything. 
because it is 80% as hard as diamond. This amount of knowledge I think you people are going to use to be very useful. So, when the Siddha says that you should try to use your rolling stone of quartz and grind it, you'll be able to grind most of the substances. And that alone should be used. If you're going to use a stone which is softer than the quartz grinding stone which the Siddha mentions, instead of trying to grind the substance, you'll be grinding part of the rock itself and it really contaminate the medicine you're going to prepare. In the case of medicine, you have to be very careful. doesn't matter in the case of uh, our footsteps, it's not even so important. But when it comes to medicine, you must use only the stone prescribed by the Siddha and you must use only the technique which he suggests for preparing that medicine. Nothing else will work. So it is not something like uh, manufacturing your medicines on a mass scale and distributing it and producing drug addiction and drug dependency. The Siddhas were very careful. They always placed emphasis upon yoga for the treatment of disease. Then they brought in food and dietary therapy. Then they talked in terms of herbal medicine. Then only they came to concentrated chemotherapy for which the modern system of medicine is so famous. As you keep going down the scale, the medicine becomes more and more concentrated and you find the indications and more so the contraindications become very greater. That is the reason why the problem of drug dependency and drug addiction is much greater in the chemotherapy of modern medicine rather than the other systems of medicine which have been practiced in India for thousands of years. I'm not saying there's a, not a place for this chemotherapy and surgery and so on. There is a place. But as a last means of treating the disease and trying to save a life, but not the first means. This is the point which I'm trying to bring out since 1954. Since we start popularizing Babaji's Tamil Kriya Siddhantam and yogic therapy all over the world. Now coming back to the subject again, you must use the right type of stone and the right type of technique, the right ingredients in the proper order. He will say first add the solid, then this liquid, do the mixture this way and try to grind it. It has to be followed along those lines. So in these verses of Jnanakar Pashutram of Bohanada, in every verse he takes up the different stages of time to prepare the medicine in the fashion in which he conceived it. And here it talks about Poditu Podu. Even if you try to go to a Tamil scholar, he's going to mislead you because he has not got that amount of knowledge of yoga and Siddha Vaidya. 
he what he knows is only the intricacies of the Tamil language. So the Tamil scholar alone cannot interpret and make you understand these verses. You must practice Babaji's Kri Yogam with a broad-minded outlook with all the experience that you might have gained in the medical field. You go back to these verses, you'll be able to understand them in the true light. There is another method of trying to produce a powder apart from pounding and that is to have a block of granite with a hole in the center in which you try to hammer in a nice hard stick. It should only a hard wood alone should be used. And you can't use any wood. This is very important. For example, you can make use of a solid, strong neem stick. Neem is, for example, is the name of a herbal tree in India. And that tree is an extremely medicinal tree. Every bit of it is used in India. And it's a wonderful tree. It is called Vembu, Vepilai, the neem tree. And another name that is given in the English language, which is of course a colloquial term, it is not a botanical term, is the Margosa tree. So the neem, Margosa and Vembu and Vepilai are one and the same. It is one of the hardwood trees of India. Apart from the wood being hard, that wood has got medicinal value. And your food, that is, we try to cook with that wood, which is barbecue cooking, with the fire cooking, is much, much healthier than the cooking of the foodstuffs that you do it with your gas. Your gas contains a lot of uh, carbon monoxide and other ingredients which are extremely harmful for health. But if your near resources are limited, you are bound to make use of gas. There is no other way. There is a shortage of power. And countries like America are so much developed from the industrial standpoint, they are craving for power like the children craving for ice cream. Shortage all the time. And your demand for gasoline is so great, you feel like even invading other countries and swallowing them up just for the sake of gasoline. It is a ridiculous situation. In India also we need power. But what do we do? We don't go about from country to country trying to swallow them up because they happen to have natural resources. We should learn to use our natural resources. We should learn to use the great rays of Surya Narayan, the sun. Is there any limit to that energy? It's absolutely unlimited. That is the way I want countries like America, industrial countries like America to solve the problems. The great solution to the power crisis and energy crisis of the states is solar energy. 
It's one of the best suggestions I can make from the standpoint of the ancient science of Tamil Kriya Siddhanta. And solar energy is far, far superior to all your gasoline and to your gas that you are trying to get to heat up and try to produce the different products that you want and to produce heat. And when you try to make use of this neem tree, it provides you not only with the heat, but the fumes that come out of it, because this is a medicinal tree, it has got a medicinal value. So if that smoke is absorbed either by our food or by the herbal medicine, so much so the better. But that is not the case when you try to make yourself gas. I like to give you a, a note of warning. When you got the gas method of heating in a house, and you got gas cooking, one of the most fundamental things that you should do, even if you are freezing to death, is there should be a ventilator. If you do not have ventilation, you will die. Instead of oxygen, you'll be having carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, and all these gases of combustion, and you will die in no time. So whenever you are dependent upon gas heating, from the standpoint of yoga, I'll advise you, you must go in for ventilation. Very, very important. We have been discussing this to a certain extent in our pranayam classes, because you try to absorb the prana vayu and oxygen, and prana shakti and vital air, and this carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide, completely if you fill up the chamber, the person will die. That is the reason why sometimes when people go down to manholes where a lot of carbon dioxide is produced and hydrogen sulfide is produced by fermentation, people die. So you have to be very careful. When you go down to such places where you do not have prana vayu and prana shakti and oxygen and energy, it's very important for you to have the same equipment which you have for diving. We have enough of oxygen to fall back upon. So I want you to be very, very careful. When people go down into caves and lower levels, where there's a tendency for the carbon dioxide to accumulate, be careful. You can die by being suffocated. This is very, very important for you people to understand as students of pranayam. And people many a time have been advocating it is rather disastrous that you should keep on holding the breath. What happens? You increase your carbon dioxide. Instead of trying to absorb oxygen, the system is forced to absorb carbon dioxide. And you get that what is called the toxic gas situation. And a person can die of hyperventilation. Hypoventilation is a state where you do not have enough of oxygen and you've got more of carbon dioxide, it leads to disastrous consequences. So please do not hold the breath and do not live in a place where you've got gas heating and where the ventilation is poor. You must, you must keep at least something open. This is particularly important. When you start driving and you want to get heated up, 
and you try to use the fumes that come from your gasoline to heat up your car and if your glasses in the car and the doors are completely blocked you start to breathing in those poisonous gases and you can die i'm not trying to exaggerate i'm not trying to frighten you people some of you people know when you're driving along those lines heating up your cars with improper ventilation you start yawning why do you yawn did you ever think about it it's high time for you to think about it as a student of pranayama and breathing when do you yawn why do you yawn nobody cares for it uh, that is something very stupid why investigate <laughs> god is not stupid we are stupid when there is too much of carbon dioxide in the system which by faulty breathing you are not getting rid of it to get rid of it you develop the reflex action which stimulates the system and then you yawn that is the excess of carbon dioxide is thrown out and then when you try to breathe through the nose you get enough of oxygen coming in if you're going to have nothing but carbon dioxide inside and keep on breathing in your own carbon dioxide you die of hyperventilation so what is really happening it in a car just for the sake of heating used metals of gas and it is very improper ventilation you start breathing in the same air and you are developing a state of hypoventilation this is what i want you to understand and attending these classes these are some of the benefits you get out of it you yawn when you start yawning it doesn't mean to say that you are tired it doesn't mean to say you're not fit for driving it doesn't mean to say you're exhausted it simply means you are breathing back poisonous gases like carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide the best remedy to that situation will be to lower the glasses on either side at least a little bit and allow the fresh air to come in allow the oxygen prana vayu to come in and allow this gas to escape if you don't do that if you try to have that heating inside and then roll up your glasses and sleep inside you will get into the eternal sleep and you will not wake up alive i am warning i want the people to understand this from the stand of pranayama so you have to be very careful you don't have any other choice you're getting frozen you have to heat up but heat up but at least there should be a small opening for the fresh prana vayu and the oxygen to come and help you out particularly when you are yawning it is high time that you stop somewhere and even go out and breathe the fresh air and then try this is my friends very important i'm trying to tell you something which is of great practical importance because many of us people have to travel and travel and sometimes you travel 12 hours or 18 hours you know what it means so it is very important for us to live in an atmosphere which is rich in prana vayu and oxygen and prana shakti and not merely lived in a closed chamber very try to breathe back once again your own carbon dioxide when you try to 
heat up either your medicine or your foodstuffs or anything that you like with wood like say the wood of the neem tree it's going to give you heat and those fumes that come out of it have got medicinal values the same thing also applies to the using what is called sesame oil lamps for the worship of god that's what the siddha has always said it's good to light either a ghee lamp or a sesame oil lamp to worship god people think it is a superstition it is not the fumes that come out of the sesame oil it has been worked out it has been proved is able to disinfect the atmosphere that is the reason why we burn incense that is the reason why we burn a sesame oil lamp to worship god what we have in india is entirely different from what we have in this country you go to your shrine people go there daily they do all the work hard eight hours to all hours and they somehow find time to go to worship god in the shrines always find the shrines that are hundreds of people not like the deserted churches which you find in this country that's not the way it goes in india people flock to the shrines that's part and particular of the life in such a shrine where people are flocking in large numbers we do not have any respiratory disorders it's a great mystery to the modern scientist because you talk such a lot about pollution pollution and pollution when people are assembling such large numbers i mean they are going to pump out nothing but carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and pollute it you have to keep the shrine clean important you should use only the substances that have been mentioned by the siddhas to worship god nothing else you can't even bring in your candle and burn it there not running you down go to your churches and burn candle that's fine i'm not preventing you but if you are to go into your indian shrine and burn candle you're doing nothing but nonsense I mean it. If you want to worship God there, please burn the sesame oil lamp. If you can't do it, shut up and get out. Why? What is exactly your candle? Candle is made up of nothing but paraffin wax. Where do you get your paraffin wax from? It is nothing but a byproduct of your gasoline oil fields. it is nothing but mineral oil and that has no disinfectant effect by burning a candle is good in your churches because it is symbolic of the great light of god the holy father is fine do it but when you try to worship it according to tamil to your siddhanta you're going to burn only an oil lamp sesame oil lamp or a ghee oil lamp why 
That lamp also provides you with light. That lamp is also symbolic of God, whom you can refer to as Parameshwara, the cosmic Shiva, or Mahavishnu, the cosmic Vishnu, or the Brahma, or Shakti, call God by any name you like. At the same time, the fumes that come out of that oil is able to disinfect the atmosphere. When you try to worship God, you have to use only camphor for Vesper service. You can't go and buy some other substitute from your uh, shops. I've seen some substitutes coming, for example, from places like China. And that is to say, synthetic camphor is being produced. That is useless, <laughs> absolutely useless. All these synthetic products that you are producing in your chemical laboratories are useless. Some of you people know that already, isn't it? Anywhere and everywhere they use chemicals and chemicals and chemicals <coughs> to preserve all your articles. And finally what you eat is junk food of chemicals. <laughs> no organic food, nothing whatever. So the Siddha said, when you are going to worship God, you should use Pache Karpuram, a camphor that is produced from herbal sources. Pache Karpuram. That is the type of Karpuram and um, camphor which was used by the Siddhas for the worship of God. That type of camphor has got Tremendous amount of Pachakarpuram, herbal camphor has got tremendous amount of herbal value. The fumes that come from that Pachakarpuram, herbal camphor, is completely able to disinfect that atmosphere. You go into the Sanctum Sanctorum, will you believe that? There is absolutely no window. <laughs> the innermost chamber where you worship God has no window. Probably some of you people, when you go there, may develop claustrophobia and say, Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> may collapse. But my friends, one day, you're going to go into the depths of your being, the sanctum sanctorum, where there are no windows. Everything is dark. So you better get over your feelings of claustrophobia and things at that time, because you have to go inside to find God. You're searching God all over outside, you won't find him, and finally you'll find him inside. And in that chamber of the sanctum sanctorum, you're going to find God. A similar thing is repeated in the Indian shrines. You go there and you try to worship God, and you can easily see. It stands for common sense. You go and stay in such an atmosphere where there's only a door and there's no window. I can tell you, many of you people will die in no time. And how do they keep that place clean? How is it thousands of people go there and worship God and come back alive? How does the priest work there day after day and night after night and still remain alive? It's really a great mystery to modern science. But to us from the standpoint of view, it is not a mystery. <clears throat> Oil lamps are burnt. 
Vesper service is carried on and the whole atmosphere is pure. A person who lives in that atmosphere and worships God doesn't get any cold. <laughs> but who gets cold? The man who lives in the 83rd apartment of the Empire State Building, living in a place which is completely closed, heated up by gas, he gets all, every, every possible respiratory disorder underneath the sun. This is so-called modern civilized life with all the amenities leading to disease, that is yogic life, life, simple living, high thinking, free from all disease. You make your choice, I leave it to you. I'm not asking you to go back to the primitive ages, my friends. I'm trying to teach you a way of life which is far ahead of the so-called modern civilized life of modern countries. So everything that the Siddha has mentioned has got a value. It's important for us to follow exactly what they are saying. And in some places we will say, take Pachek Karpuram, <coughs> that is to say herbal camphor, powder it and add it. That alone you can do it. When he says Pachek Karpuram, Puritu Podu, pulverize the herbal camphor and add it, that is what you are going to do. If you can't do it, better follow some other system of medicine or get out of Siddha Vaidya. This is important. It's no use if you are getting your synthetic camphor from China and using it. It's not going to work. You can get the most refined of your synthetic camphor from your laboratory, say, in Paris or in New York. It's not going to work. Because what you are trying to substitute is nothing but a chemical junk. And what the Siddha has wanted is Pachai Karpuram Herbal Camphor. That camphor is so pure white in color. That camphor is so brittle. How people can understand the word brittle? It is not like the camphor which you get from China, other synthetic camphors is being manufactured in some of these laboratories. You can't even break it. Sometimes you need a hammer to break it. Do you mean to say that camphor is going to give you any good results? No. As a matter of fact, if it is to be true Pachekarpuram, if people are interested in this yoga and herbal medicine, isn't it? If you try to take that Pachai Karpuram and burn it, it passes through a phenomenon which is called sublimation. It's a very interesting phenomenon. Sublimation is a phenomenon, chemical phenomenon in which if you try to burn that substance, it will not pass into a liquid state. Straight away from the solid state, it will go into the gaseous state. So the phenomenon of sublimation is demonstrated to give as a concrete example by two substances like camphor as also sulfur. When you burn sulfur, it goes away straight away from the solid state to gaseous state. So also it applies to camphor. So one method of trying to find out whether it is camphor and whether it is sulfur is to burn it. When you burn it, 
without melting, if it goes into the gaseous state, it is called sublimation. And sublimation is one of the methods which you people as students of yoga should use to identify pure sulfur and pure camphor, particularly Pachakarpuram or the Herbert camphor. But when you try to get this synthetic material which comes from our laboratories and burn it, it leaves behind an ash also. Pure Pachakarpuram will never leave behind an ash. It is so pure. And that is the type of substance this Siddha wants to use in certain medicines. This is very important. I want you to understand this well. Because when he talks about Karpuram, if you go and buy some other synthetic product and if you say that herbal treatment is not successful, it is your fault and not the fault of the Siddha who sang this verse after one year of intensive sadhana. He crystallized his thoughts and the tremendous amount of research work he has done into a verse of four lines and left it behind for you to use. But what are people doing now? They call themselves research scientists. What do they do in research? They simply research what has already been searched and have a big PhD and DSC degree after the names and deny the very existence of God and Yoga. These are what is called the educated fools of the century. Let us forget about them. But when you try to do research with the highest order you find, you are able to find out the truth. They did a lot of research work in the laboratory of the mind made remarkable discoveries and then sang these verses. So when they try to talk about this Pachakarpuram, use that particular substance and don't use any other substitute. A substitute is a substitute. It becomes junk medicine afterwards. And when you try to take this Pachakarpuram, it is, when once it has been purified, pure Pachakarpuram, you can actually crush it with your fingers. It becomes a powder. Crushing with the finger and powdering is what is called poditupodu. It doesn't need pounding. It doesn't need dry grinding. Just with your fingers you can crush them. That alone should be described as poditupodu powdery. So the Siddha talks about in this particular verse as how the herbs, herb leaves, they can be used in different ways. This is very important. Not like the herbology and the herbal medicine that is being practiced in other countries. It is a quack. Absolute quacks. People go in and start eating all sorts of things right and left. What is it? Are they a cow or a goat? Imitating the goat you got here? You can't go on your force like the goat and eat all the foliage is eating. The goats will eat it, the she-goat will eat it and one day it will be able to give you delicious milk. It can convert all this wonderful vegetation here into delicious milk for us to drink. But if you go on force and try to eat like the goat, you will die in one week. So don't imitate the animals. So the Siddha said, wherever you got, there are reported to be millions of herbs in this world. And all of them, we can't eat it in the raw state as the vegan does everything. Whenever you got 
which you poor human beings who cannot digest it. You better give it to the cow. You better give it to the goat. Get the goat's milk. Get the cow's milk and drink it. You will get the benefit of it. Look at the wonderful way the Siddhas emphasize the importance of lacto-vegetarianism to get the benefit of herbs. This is something for us to learn. That is the reason why we are taking such a lot of pains to popularize lacto-vegetarianism all over the world according to the teachings of the Tamil Yoga Siddhas. Some of the vegans have got a great grievance against what this this yogi is asking them to drink milk. So what? Look at the vegans who think they eat only vegetables. They behave like a vegetable. They don't take cereals, they don't take milk, they don't take anything. They are so thin and feeble. If you people practice in pranayama, blow on them, they fall down. They are so weak. They are so undernourished. They are suffering from malnutrition. I know of some people dying of it also in northern New York state. This silly and stupid. What the Siddhas have taught is tasty, nutritious, yogic, vegetarian diet. You can talk for days and months on it, don't have time. So learn to follow the teachings of the Tamil Yoga Siddhas. You get a lot of benefit out of it. So when our uh, spiritually minded landlord gave us permission to have a couple of goats, we jumped with joy and feel like touching the ceiling. Because that is what we want. When we had it in Norwalk City, we got a ticket from the city because it is very civilized. We can't have goats there. We can't have bees there. They want to have only skyscraper buildings and more of diseases and more of hospitals and more of income. That's not the way. You should learn to live in tune with nature. So blessed are the people who can live in such regions in tune with nature and practice yoga. And it is indeed a very sensible landlord who could allow us to have some goods. So immediately we built up the yoga ark. A couple of puppies, couple of goats. Unfortunately, we couldn't get a couple of pussycats. We brought down the yoga ark and you find the animals here living in a typical yoga ashram atmosphere of a jungle where they can feed on all these uh, vegetation that we have which is growing wild and getting out of control and to convert that into delicious milk and use it. So all you people should learn how to use goat's milk. At least the blessed souls are living in the center and in the imperial and the yuma and other similar centers. This is very important. So they said this when they talked about adding a particular ingredient to herbal prescription and a medicine as powdering, that is the only way you should be done. Suppose you want to take your, uh, say, you call it sweet neem leaves and the term that we use in Tamil Nadu is karuvapilai. The curry leaves as it is called. It's very common. Just as you find all sorts of vegetation growing here wild, that karuvapilai grows wild in India. The sacred Tulasi plant grows wild in Tamil Nadu. Here we have to build a summer house for her. Otherwise she won't survive. 
So that is the time. So the Siddha has said, wherever you might be living, depending upon the climate and the soil and the vegetation, you should try to eat the right type of material and use the right type of material for herbal medicine. It's very important to follow the advice given by the Siddhas. So, for example, if you in a, in a country like India, these curry leaves, these sweet neem leaves, as the people call it, grows wild. All that you have to take a few of those leaves and add it, say, to your buttermilk. It is absolutely delicious. The flavor of the curry leaves will make you digest that better. Many a time they'll add these leaves also to many of the vegetables that are being cooked. It's meant for flavor and that flavor improves your powers of digestion. And if you happen to eat up a part of those leaves after it is duly cooked, you're going to get some protein out of it. So that is how the Siddha said. If you want to use, for example, that neem leaves, sweet neem leaves, we can use it that way, or when you come to countries like America where you can't get it, it is being imported by some of these Indian grocery stores to get it, and you find those leaves are dry. So you're trying to take up the sweet neem leaf, a curry leaf as an example. Such a thing you can always add to it as you're having it, or as the Siddha said, can take those leaves in your hands when they are very, very dry, crush it with your fingers and add it. You will get the effect of it. That is what exactly Siddha means, poditu podu. That is to say, those herbal leaves have to be dried where? Not in your gas oven, not in your electric oven but with the solar rays. And you also already know, apart from the seven visible rays of the solar spectrum, you've got the seven invisible rays, invisible violet, invisible indigo, invisible blue, invisible green, invisible orange, invisible red, infrared. And all the visible rays, all the 14 rays together, dries up those herbs. Particularly we people who are practiced Physical therapy for many, many decades know the value of ultraviolet rays. Many, many diseases, which, ulcers which cannot be cured even through surgery and medicine has responded so well to ultraviolet tre treatment in the physical therapist, the physical therapist department. Ultraviolet rays have got such a wonderful anti-bactericidal effect. They can kill bacteria but unfortunately, they can stimulate the growth of viruses like cancer. So you have to be very, very careful. I'm trying to emphasize certain things because many of you people are getting into the field of therapy, you must know how to use them. So whenever somebody has got cancer, advise them not to expose it to the sun's rays. <coughs> but when they're having skin diseases, they must expose it. Of course, you must get the prescription from the yogic therapist and try to do it properly, it works. So the ultraviolet rays of the sun should be used to dry these leaves. Otherwise, if you don't do it, what will you get? You will get fungus in those leaves. The moisture will be there, fungus will be formed and you will get more disease. 
So the leaves which the Siddhas are prescribing should be dried, dried according to his prescription. It should be dried in the sun. And you people are making such a big fuss about your Uncle Ben's rice in this country. Do you know in India we have been using Pulungal Arasi, as they call it, for thousands of years. What is Pulungal Arasi? Parboiled rice. This has been in existence in India for thousands of years. And I heard the other day somebody was saying, Uncle Ben's rice is a very special type of rice. There is a patent for it and nobody else can do it. <laughs> Who is to do it? What? That has been done in India for thousands of years. And you put a new name to it, Uncle Ben's rice. Let it be any uncle's rice, I don't mind it. It is a simple parboiled rice. All that you do is you try to take your paddy with the husk, put it in huge containers and heat it up to a certain temperature, out in the open, exposed to the sun's rays. At a certain temperature you take out the whole paddy, which is partially cooked. That is the reason it is called parboiled rice. Partially boiled rice. Purungal arisi, purungal means just to power boiling. Then what did they do with that? Did they take that rice and put it on your mat, which you use for sleeping, which is capable of absorbing the water, and spread out that partially cooked rice, parboiled rice, with the husk, the paddy as you call it, parboiled paddy. There's a gentleman who's called paddy also, it's a very nice name. So this paddy parboiled paddies dried on mats, exposed to the sun's rays. They don't heat it and dry it. They expose it to the sun's rays. It does the job. It completely dries up everything. Will you believe that? The vitamins which you find in rice goes back into the grains. And parboiled rice is more nutritious than the raw rice. That is the reason why they say thus. In India, the homeland of yoga, I've suggested parboiled rice. And if you keep parboiled rice stocked up in your place, it lasts for, I know, for four years and five years it has existed. Like the Mormons in India, always we should store up the grains. There might be a drought, we may not have enough grains. Are you to starve and die? No. Raw rice will get breaking up in about a year's time. The worms will start eating them up. But worms don't like parboiled rice. It's very nutritious for human beings. Look at the amount of scientific knowledge the Siddhas have used to bring about a great civilization in India called the Tamil Kriva Siddhanta civilization. And that parboiled paddy is ground, you remove the husk and you can keep that parboiled rice. <coughs> like that the Siddhas have taught different methods of preparing it. So what they said was, if you want to prepare a medicine, say with say that sweet neem leaves, you should take those leaves and dry it in the sun. Not even with the dehydration process that you got in your machinery with ordinary heat and gas heating and electric heating is no good. You must dry it in the sun so that all the 14 days can play a part in drying up those herbs. When those herbs are really well dried, you can just pick it with your hand like this and powder it. The whole thing gets crushed in no time.
published these works in Tamil, then make you people understand it with all the lectures that is being delivered all over the world. So until or unless you learn Tamil, you are not going to understand this well. That is the reason why in the course that we are offering in the University of California, Santa Cruz campus, you are going to deal with asanas, the indications and contraindications from a medical standpoint. Then you are going to devote enough time for Tamil. Then you go into Tamil to Siddhantam and Siddha Vaidyam and Yogic Tarak. It will really make some sense. That gives you an idea in a nuclear, in a tabloid form, the great work that you propose to do in Master's proposed college in India. So these words which you find here have to be used in the correct sense. Powdering is very important and particularly when you powder it, you find those substances are able to last longer in some cases. And when they said, sometimes you'll have to add, for example, the spices called pepper in a whole form. Sometimes they will ask you to add it in the powdered form. But once you try to pulverize it and powder it and add it, it is assimilated better by the food that you are cooking or the herbal medicine that you are making. When he says powdered and use it, if you are too lazy and try to add only the whole pepper, it will not work. It simply will not work. It will not be assimilated. So when he says powder that herb after drying it and add it, you must do it. And then they add the other ingredients, it mixes well with it. And try to produce ultimately that herbal component medicine which is effective for that particular disease. So you have to scrupulously follow the instructions of the Siddhas when you do it. So powdering is very important. We try to have this powdering not only with regard to our foodstuffs and herbal medicine. <coughs> it's good for you people to learn how to powder many, many substances that you have got inside and outside. One thing which I like all you people to powder nicely is your ego. And if you can cooperate with us, I can tell you, Master will help you a good lot with the Sri Yogam to powder it out of existence. This is very important. One of the greatest contaminating influences that you have got in the physical, vital, mental, intellectual and spiritual bodies is the ego. So let us all of us learn how to powder it out of existence and you will be having a very nice place because the moment you powder it, you can simply sweep it off as dust. But if you have got a very secreted trade pact with your ego and try to hide him in some corner of your being, I can tell you, you can practice Babaji's Kriyakam for another million years, still you will continue to be the same good old person who will not make any progress in the field of yoga. So that is the reason why it is mentioned in Tamil Shaiva Yoga Siddhantam. One of the greatest drawbacks that prevents people from progressing physically, vitally, mentally, intellectually and spiritually and reaching God and Yoga Shiva is Anavam Ahandai Ego. So after listening to this lecture on powdering by the great Siddha Bohanadhar, let us all try to take up one vow. We are hereafter from today onwards, try to take, make a great resolution, what is called a lifetime resolution to powder the ego by all possible means. 
When you powder the ego and wipe off all the, sweep off all the dust, then you really become a very pure person and you can convert all the five bodies into the shrine of God. And that is exactly the message of Tamil Kriyavasitantam. So with this background of knowledge, let us try to read this verse of Bohanadar and bring this lecture to your close. Chunnandan Sheni Ragum Panilirka Vernum Tanyam Shalatiledan Shaviram Puritu Portu Yenamang Kadanjarata in the near wood to RT Vandamam Podatu Shunnum Arinjalam Purium Bare. She talks about powdering one particular ingredient. Obviously, it must be a solid, it must be dry. It must be fit enough to be crushed with the fingers and added. So it clearly indicates in what state that ingredient should be. This is very, very important. And then and then alone that ingredient will blend with the preceding and the following ingredients and try to produce the right type of herbal formula to cure that particular disease. So all of us should learn all the different processes of trying to smash grinding, roll grinding, powdering all the dirt and dust and disease that you have got on all the fire planes. And to that extent, you will be able to get rid of the limitations which prevents the descent of the Babaji consciousness into the lower planes, the Shiva consciousness into the lower planes. The ultimate goal is to clean up the five shrines which God has given us, the five bodies. And with that motive, you practice yoga, you'll be able to get shanti in plenty, in great abundance. There's no scarcity of shanti in the field of Kriyoga. If you practice the fivefold path of Kriyoga, leading to Aum Shanti 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 Shalom, Shatnam Shadu Tahoyim Amsrit Swami Kami Amin Amin Auman Sela. Questions? Right, we start with Victor. Yogya um, ran into a treatment called Bach flower treatment, which is um, various kinds of herbs coming from flowers. It comes out of England, and there are certain kinds of flowers, pollens, that are for stabilizing the emotions. And I was wondering if you knew anything about it, whether it's um, a worthwhile thing to look into, or if it's true or not. <coughs> the first question is in the back flower treatment that our flowers are being prescribed for controlling emotions, whether you can use it. Uh, well, I'll try to answer this question, but one thing I like to tell you people, whenever you make a reference to uh, such uh, systems of treatment, I've heard about backflower treatment to a certain extent. We do have books in the library, but I've not found time to go through the whole lot. But please do bring the books with you. And with reference to the books, if you try to ask me these questions, I think I'll be able to answer these questions better. But still, I'm going to answer that question today. Next. Yes. Um, Earlier lectures you mentioned association between days of the week and colors and chakras. I wondered if 
you could mention, for example, Friday, first day of the Kriya Yoga week, which chakra, which color, for the other days of the week. In one of the lectures that was delivered, if I remember right, in Gabriel College, something like that, we did mention the association of the different seven chakras and the seven colors of the different days of the week. And he was talking about Friday, did you say that? Friday. Well, Friday as an example. I wanted to know which of the chakras, which of the colors had to be used right. And then... Uh, is it okay to, like... Uh, some of the centers have wood stoves, like the northern centers here in uh, Richville. And uh, what what different types of wood are okay to use? And, um, you know that would have a beneficial you know, um, effect. <coughs> the next question that is asked is something pertaining to today's lecture with regard to the source of heat. There are woodstuffs available, you're right, in plenty. For example, it's available here also. Are the woodstuffs which can use wood for burning? And what types of wood should be used for the woodstuffs is the next question. Right, I'll answer them. I think these three questions are enough to go on for a long time, but I won't take too much of time because time is already 11.45, Kriya got advanced timing. Om Kriya Baba Janama I'm glad there is somebody called the Backflower Treatment they're trying to place emphasis upon flowers. All different methods of treatments have to be investigated. And uh, if through scientific data it could be proved, it should be accepted. And that is one beautiful thing that is now taking place in America, the great land of science. They don't try to sit back as the Englishman does from the good old days of the British Empire. You see, you should grow on. Growth is very, very important. And it's very important for you to investigate everything and use it. As far as the Siddhas are concerned, they were very clear. Wherever it was possible to use it, they used it. Sometimes they used the roots. Sometimes they used the tubers, which is nothing but enlarged roots like potatoes. Sometimes they used rhizomes, which is underground stem. Sometimes they used the stem itself, which is above the ground level, which is, doesn't form part of the root system of a tree. Sometimes they made use of barks. For example, how is your uh, malaria treated through quinine, which comes from the bark of a tree? That's a herbal medicine. But you should know the indications and contraindications. You don't do it blindly. So sometimes you can use the core of trees. And that answers the question with regard to the heating. Heating with redwood, heating with pine wood, 
eating with kosharana and all these woods is good. But you can use any wood for heating. That will produce heat. But if it is to be a, for example, if sometimes the Siddha says, as I mentioned during the course of the lecture, that you should use neem wood means you should use only neem wood for the preparation of that particular medicine or that food. As I told you, the fumes that come from that wood will be absorbed and it is beneficial. But there are certain types of wood like a jungle wood which is useless. But for heat it may be used. I heard that some people have been throwing all their garbage into the fire. They are using it not only as a wood stove, my friend, they are using it as a garbage stove. As long as it doesn't affect your health, tolerate. But be careful. If you are going to eat pig, God forbid, if you're going to eat beef and that you're going to throw into your fire, I'm sure you feel like quitting that house. <laughs> if you try to throw all your fish bones into that and try to burn it, it'll be smelling like fish. Do you think you can sleep in such an atmosphere? So please be careful. Merely be, you want heat, you don't throw in anything into that stuff and burn it. Have some common sense about you. And you have to be very careful. When you try to put material into the stove and burn it, many people committed this mistake and paid the price for it. You should use only wood. Particularly when you're having a wood stove burning, you should be something in which the burning cinders and the sparks that come out of the wood will not fly out and fall on the rug and make the whole house catch fire. So when you try to use the wood stove, you should be well protected. It's very, very important. Don't be getting thrilled. I come your yard to the geodem of a house over here in Santa Cruz. I have come to heaven on earth. I'm going to light this stove and light up the house. God forbid. Please don't do that. Have some mercy on us. It will cost us 200 to 300,000 dollars to replay the landlord if you carry out that experiment at our cost. So you should learn what type of material to use to burn. When you burn it outside in the garden, you have to burn your garbage because you don't have garbage services, you burn it. But you can't burn it inside the house. Inside the house only wood should be used. And try to use wood which persistently burns. And most of the wood is fit enough for burning in an wood stove. After all, what you need is heat. But if you are going to produce a type of heat and smoke which is congenial for your sadhana, it's very difficult. Probably it is comparatively easy to do that in India. Probably the need there is much less because it's a hot climate. But when you go into the Himalayas, you may need it. The right type of wood that is used will definitely help you. Any type of wood will produce heat. But for special types, when you try to produce an atmosphere to 
increase your spiritual experiences, it should be the right type of smoke that comes out. And you find the smoke that is produced by woods like sandalwood, the neem wood and the kosherna wood is mainly for heat. And that neem wood and the sandalwood is very, very beneficial. And the fumes that you get out of the Tulasi wood and the Bilva wood of Yogi Shiva are excellent for spiritual development. So when you try to light a Mandarayagna fire, people will say these types of woods have to be used because that aspect of it you are not dealt with in our centers because you can't get those woods. But when you try to carry out a mantra yagam, there you find when you entrusted to Arihara Putra higher, you will go and get all these different types of woods. It's not time to do something which is superstitious at all. Those smokes that come as a result of your burning that fire definitely purifies the atmosphere, gets rid of the pollution and is able to help you also with regard to your spiritual development. So the right type of wood should be used when you try to burn it. As far as the flowers is concerned, yes, flowers could be used for treatment. But whether the specific flowers mentioned in the box treatment is effective or not, I do not know. But if they can prove it by statistics and figures, it can always be accepted. It has been used, the roots, the stem and the leaves and the flowers and the seeds, everything has been used by the Siddhas for the treatment of diseases, including for the treatment of psychiatric complaints. But one thing I can tell you, with regard to the treatment of psychiatric conditions and emotions, through these physical means is extremely limited. It works only to a certain extent. The best method to do it will be through dhyanam. Dhyanam means the scientific art of mastering the mind. Particularly the first technique that you have been given is a wonderful technique to cleanse. And that you should try to use it. And when you come to the last technique in dhyanam, you can use it very, very extensively to get rid of all the bad emotions and cultivate the good emotions and that is thousand times more effective than all the flower treatment that has been given in the different systems of treatment. Now, with regard to the different days of the week, yes, as you can easily see, the days of the week themselves were named after the planets. It was done, a lot of research work was done by the our ancestors before they could give the different names to the different weeks. And we find there are different days that have been set apart for intensive sadhana and intensive practice of yoga. So that is the reason why they are called a Sunday, where they paid homage to the sun. <coughs> and you people have been taught so beautifully in Babaji's fivefold path of Kriyoga the signs of sun worship. So if you try to do the signs of sun worship on a Sunday, it is more appropriate and more in accordance with the teachings of the Siddhas. 
and also we have got the worship of the moon, more advanced techniques, which for certain reasons, as, as emphasized by the Siddhas, we are not taught to, practically to nobody. But the moon does play a very important part in our sadhana, and all the people are basing your fasting upon the faces of the moon. So this is very important. And we are using it to the extent to which, because the other techniques are so advanced, people can misuse it. But if Master wills it at the right time, from the right person, and from the right Siddha, you'll be able to get those techniques and try to definitely practice them. So we find there are techniques which are based upon the different planets. And just as different days have been set apart for the different planets, different days have been set apart for the chakras also. So it is not a matter of coincidence, accident, but it's a very beautiful coincidence to find there are seven days in the week corresponding to the seven chakras. And corresponding to them, you've got seven colors also. And the seven colors are in the order of the rainbow, violet, indigo, blue, green, yellow, orange and red. And when you try to talk about it, you talk about it in the reverse order. You start with uh, Saturday and try to build it up. So violet will correspond to Saturday, indigo will correspond to Friday, that answers your question. Thursday will be blue and Wednesday will be green, Tuesday will be yellow and Monday will be orange and Sunday will be red. So these are the seven colors that correspond to seven days of the week. That's the reason why once when Master was explaining it, he said, for Tantric Sadhana it is good to spread out that particular cloth of that particular color and you find your Sadhana is more successful. And then you got also the corresponding chakras. As far as the chakras is concerned, you start with Sunday and come down. So Sunday is Muladhara. Monday is Swadhisthanam and Tuesday is Manipuraham. Wednesday is Anahattam and Thursday is Vishuddhi and Friday is Anjana and Saturday is Ayrathi Tudal Chakram. So that answers your question. For Friday, this particular color and this particular chakra are things that should form the epicenter of your sadhana. And you can use the mantras corresponding to those chakras, you can use the different techniques, but anyway, I can't go into the full details of it because you should dedicate yourself to the creative way of life. You should come and live in the centers, first as sadhaks, then after fulfilling all our conditions, you become a dormitory soul. After you become a dormitory soul, if you are in that state for a number of years, then you can become an advanced dormitory soul. Then we'll teach you those advanced techniques by which we can make use of the different colors and the different chakras.
<coughs> for the different days of the week to do that particular type of sadhana. So the Siddhas really conceived everything in a very beautiful fashion. And I hope they won't bring about the alterations as they've been doing it frequently. We should continue to have seven days in the week, which is based upon the phases of the moon. And that seven days corresponds to the seven chakras. And there are seven colors which all of you people can use in your practice of Kriya to progress along the path and try to experience the Shanti in all days of the week in plenty. In this life, in the life after the life eternal, leading to Aum Shanti 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 Shalom Shatnam Shadu Tavoyam Amsred Swami Kami Aminamen Aumun Sela Umasaji Yoshakanu Pangam Taman Kriyakamangla Murakangam Tangasher Om Padam Chitramo, Om Pokanadamo, Om Kriyavajamo.